0: The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician.
1: Hello, my name is Dr. Joseph Butler. I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon based in Dublin, Ireland. And I'm pleased to have with me today, Dr. Greg Schroeder, an orthopedic spine surgeon at the Rothman Institute and Thomas Jefferson University in Philadelphia. Today, we're going to discuss the current trends and use of biologics in spine surgery. And when we think about the vast array of of biologics available to us today, we consider everything from autograft, allograft, demineralized bone matrix, ceramics, and of course, bone morphogenetic protein or BMP. So to kick things off, Greg, tell me a little bit about your use of autograft and allograft in your practice.
0: Sure. I think autograft is really the gold standard, right? Um, Oftentimes we are talking about iliac crest bone graft, but I think in general, um, particularly um, in kind of simple one level open procedures, uh, I don't think oftentimes we're using iliac crest bone graft, at least I I know uh, I don't routinely use it. I don't think anybody at the Rothman Institute really routinely uses um, traditional iliac crest bone graft. Um, But what we do use in every case uh, is really uh, the local bone, you know, whether or not you're doing uh, posterior lateral fusion and you just have kind of the lamina that you're taking off and spinous processes, or if you're doing a TLIF and you have the, uh, the facet that you can take out. Um, I mean, I think using the local bone is really a great uh, option. Unfortunately, a lot of times it's just not enough. And that I think is where the, um, the kind of different biologics, uh, cage technology, things like that, that really come into play. Um, I mean, so allograft bone, I think, you know, pure allograft chips uh, is a option to really kind of work as an extender, uh, right? When we think about biologics, we really want to look for things that are, you know, osteoconductive, osteoinductive, um, as well as uh, the ability to actually create bone on its own. And, you know, allograft really only falls into the the mold of, of really being a scaffold, so this extends it, but it doesn't really stimulate bone growth. Uh, it doesn't have any uh, really uh, uh, bone cells or uh, growth hormones in them at all. Um, so I think the role for allograph and allograph chips uh, is as an extender. But realistically, I do think there are a lot of other options that probably give you a little bit more um, than just, uh, just the allograph chips. Um, conversely, when we talk about allografts, oftentimes, uh, in the neck, uh, I'll use structural allograft or in the front of the spine, we use structural allograft, but even then it's important to understand the limitations of it. Uh, you still need something to kind of help stimulate the bones to grow, um, with, with allograft. Uh, I think that kind of brings us to, so Joe, what do you use, um, besides that? Are there, uh, DBXs, ceramics, anything like that, that you use that really kind of <clears throat> moves the kind of moves it along
1: sure certainly uh, demineralized bone matrix i think is although it doesn't provide a, a a significant structural support i think it's a very useful bone graft extender it, it has as you mentioned both like an osteoconductive property in terms of the organic matrix of collagen and non-collagenous proteins and it also has the osteoinductive element from its growth factors such as bmp tgf beta and fgf However, it's important to highlight that often there is significant uh, variability with the products available on the market. And there is a little bit of variability in terms of their efficacy and the composition that they come in.
0: Right. I mean, I think that that's a great point. I know, you know, oftentimes one of the DBXs that we use uh, at Jefferson has a significant amount of Mm. cellulose in it. And so you're looking at it and it's this nice structure and it looks good, but it's important to understand that that cellulose uh is really just filler Mm -hmm. um it Mm -hmm. doesn't offer those things Mm -hmm. that you have so um i I do think you know when you're looking at the DBXs, you have to look at what dbx and all Mm -hmm. of them aren't the same Mm
1: -hmm. and as you mentioned i I would commonly use demineralized bone matrix in conjunction with local autograft so spinous processes laminae and the facet joints potentially in an instrumented poster lateral fusion On the other hand, ceramics, which as you know are calcium based synthetic grafts, they are purely osteoconductive and they do have some advantages in terms of there's an element of mechanical strength, but also it comes in a wide variety of compositions uh, and there's a longer shelf life and of course there's no concerns in relation to disease transmission. I would commonly use your tricalcium phosphate uh, to load an interbody cage when doing ACDF surgery.
0: Right. I mean, I I think that's a great option. Uh, There are also some people who, for whatever reason, are uncomfortable with allograft. I think that uh, uh, ceramics are a great option. And those are times that I really uh, Mm. use that as well.
1: Tell me a little bit, Greg, about your thoughts on the use on bone morphogenetic protein or BMP in practice today.
0: Sure. I mean, so I mean, I think that it's important to understand that uh, BMP2 is really only FDA approved for the use in the anterior lumbar spine, and so whenever I use it, in general, it is in the anterior lumbar spine. Um, I uh, I think there have been a lot of concerns uh, about uh, BMP. You know, the cost of BMP, the complications that are associated with BMP, um, and because of that, it it's not something that I do routinely use in the posterior spine. Although I know. Um, it has been routinely used uh, in different places, particularly in things like MIS T lifts, mm. um, where you know getting the bones to heal is a real problem because oftentimes in an MIS approach you can't do as well of a, uh, a disc prep. You also mm. can't always get uh, you or you don't get a posterior lateral fusion at all. Where if you're doing an open T lift, oftentimes mm. you can get uh, a really robust posterior lateral fusion as well as the T uh, lift. Uh, But in general, I don't use it. I mean, I I think one of the the challenging things with BMP is that oftentimes, even when you talk about it, patients will ask you things about cancer. And I think there have been a couple of good articles. Uh, You know, Jason Savage at the Cleveland Clinic really looked at uh, a really uh, large uh, cohort and found really no link Mm -hmm. to cancer. I I don't really believe that, Um, but it's still something that having that discussion with your patient, when you're talking about a, a spine surgery, when there are other options, it can oftentimes be challenging. There's also other issues, um, you know, with seroma formation, heterotopic ossification, all of these where I do think when you look at local bone plus other options and specifically, you know, cage options and things like that, that you may be able to to not need it for kind of your routine case. Um, as we're kind of talking about, I'm saying you don't need it maybe because there are some cage options. I think uh, when we talk about uh, biologics, I think really one of the uh, natural extensions of the biologic discussion is really, you know, all of the changes in cage development and how pe- what cages people are using and really what's the evidence behind this. So, So, Joe, what are you using from a, a cage standpoint?
1: Well, I think certainly 3D printing has Um, there's been an evolution and it's likely to impact on our practice in the coming years. It's likely to impact potentially on our biologic selection. The development now of highly porous titanium alloy cages um, offers a number of potential advantages. Um, There's increased uh, mechanical stability with, an, with an highly porous uh, titanium alloy cages, which are offering a number of key advantage, advantages in relation to our surgical options. We're having the potential to have increased mechanical stability from uh, a high uh, coefficient of friction, we also have greater load sharing with a low um, modulus of elasticity and less chance of stress, stress shielding. But also we have these highly porous cages that are promoting significant bone ingrowth and ongrowth, and are potentially going to lead to greater biologic fixation. Um, me for one, in terms of my, my, my own personal practice, I've been eliminating peak over the course of the past year or so because I have concerns in relation to pseudarthrosis development and the potential need for revision surgery.
0: Uh, and I would agree with you there that I have primarily used the porous coated titanium cages now at this point and I think it does allow you to limit your biologics. The big issue with it though uh, is that realistically there's very limited clinical data on the porous uh, titanium cages or the porous peak cages. When we go to these meetings we see a lot of Uh, slides that have to do with basic science. But I think realistically now us as a academic community, um, the industry that is really pushing these cages, we need to try to look at what are the real fusion rates in patients and what are the health related quality of life outcomes. Uh, So thank you guys very much. Thanks, Joe. Uh, I think we've had a, a great discussion kind of trying to highlight some of the key topics of biologics today. Thank you.